and pro. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. She was the mother of everyone you will ever meet. You can trace her lineage to this woman, yet history does not actually give us even her name. And today, all the people in the world, the planet, regardless of their heritage, their race or whatever, are descended from her, believe it or not. And no, her name is not Eve. I'm going to keep you guessing as to what her name is as I welcome you to Viewpoint here today. I'm Chuck Chris Myers. Conversation is always with ever-increasing conviction. Talk that transforms. Today, as we talk about women, we're going to talk about women who change the world. And uh, a lot of people think, well, you know, you don't pay much attention to women. Well, I do. In fact, uh, I had three daughters, and I paid a lot of attention to them. And I had one wife, uh, that is, only one wife still, after 55 years. So I had four women in my life and I paid a lot of attention to them and still do. And I realized that women are exceedingly important. Some women seem to have stood out more than others, however, throughout world history. And we're going to take a look at some of those unstoppable women who changed the world. So I'm glad that you joined us. It's conversation as always with ever increasing conviction, talk that transforms and indeed uh, these women had lives who were transformed, and because of their transformed lives, many others were transformed as well. So it's uh, a delight to have you join us here today on Viewpoint to confront the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective, as these women did. In fact, the, some of these women were Americans, others were Brits, uh, some were from uh, the Middle, the Middle East or the Far East, uh, they, they came from all different walks of life. Some have the most amazing backgrounds, things that you would never, ever, ever believe would result in somebody making a powerful difference in the world, which means there's hope for you, whether you're a man or a woman, because you see, God has a plan and a purpose for every one of us. He really does. Now, you may not know what it is, and you will probably not know what it is if you don't get in line with his word, his will, and his ways. And that's why so many seem to fall short of God's plan for their life. They are resistant. They're not obedient. They don't listen. And they're stubborn or fearful. So many things can keep us from fulfilling God's plan and purpose from our lives. And sometimes God has to bring us to the end of ourselves before he can even use us. I was thinking, perhaps, of someone by the name of Hannah in the Old Testament. Here was Hannah. Uh, She had no children, and she was in the church weeping before the Lord, and the priest saw her and thought she was drunk. Well, she had to tell the priest that she was not drunk, but she was desperately concerned because she had no children, and that was uh, something that no woman wanted to be known for, the woman that had no children. And so, ultimately, God, in his mercy, gave her a child. 
That's right. Gave her a child that became renowned in biblical history, and his name was Samuel. His name was Samuel, and he became the first real prophet of Israel and made a huge difference in Israel, and there are so many others like that. How about you? What has God called you to do and to be? Well, perhaps as we continue our conversation here today with Bonnie Sala, uh, we will, uh, you will be inspired. You will realize, and God may put the spark in your own mind and heart, that he's called you for such a time as this, like Queen Esther of old. Well, from Southern California, Bonnie Sala joining us with the book 40 Unstoppable Women Who Changed the World, penned by her father. Bonnie, it's good to have you on board. Thank you so much, Chuck. It's a delight to talk with you today. Well, what are you doing in Orange County, California? I thought that's where fruits, nuts, and flakes came from. That's <laughs> well, what we I'm were not, told when we I'm, came from California to Richmond, Virginia, 27 years yeah, ago. I'm not here to defend the state of California, but I am here to tell you that the church is alive and well in California. And I lead the Ministry of Guidelines that was uh, begun by my parents mm-hmm. uh, in 1963. We're working on our 58th year. And we share the light of the gospel uh, through audio messages. My dad has the longest-running five-minute program uh, on a Christian program on radio. And we share our devotional, short devotional messages uh, in many different languages with people who are unreached mm-hmm. around the world, those who are new to Christianity, and those living under persecution. Well, I think we have one of the longest one-hour programs on Christian radio today, Uh, just completed 26 years on the air, and uh, it has been a long obedience in the same direction, and I think that's been true for your dad. Yes, that's absolutely true, and it it is such an honor to lead our team, really standing on the shoulders of my dad and my mom, uh, who they are both accomplished uh, uh, authors, and I'm starting to go down that path myself, but it's really a joy to lead our team. Uh, and actually, we are comprised of just currently five women and, and one man, so it's just kind of a coincidence, but it's apropos for uh, talking about the, the subject matter of my dad's latest book. Well, he must be a very strong man to handle five women on the other side of the coin. Well, you know, he, uh, <laughs> he yeah, he's not really handling us uh, About six years ago, uh, I uh, became president of Guidelines, and my dad has really been uh, limiting his ministry at this point in time Mm -hmm. to writing. Yeah. So he will turn 84 uh, this July. Wow. Wow. He and along with Dr. James Dobson and a number of other folk out there. That's right. That's right. Okay. Well, you are here to uh, communicate on his behalf to talk about these unstoppable women who changed the world. Now, do you happen to know how it was that he happened to choose these particular women? Well, in many cases, he actually knew uh, many of the women himself. Uh, and I actually have had the privilege of knowing several of them, you know, in the, in the course of my growing up. Uh, and so it was through either personal uh, relationships or his voracious habit of reading. My dad still reads about one biography a week and, you know, 
throughout all of his um, time of uh, being on radio. He has really done a wonderful job of uh, telling the stories of people who have demonstrated the truth of God's Word with their lives. I have several series of books in my library, uh, one uh, for young girls uh, that has, I don't know, I think probably 25 different women uh, uh-huh. and their lives, and I recognized a number of them in your father's book. Another yeah. talks about all the women of the Bible, and apparently God was interested in women. In fact, Jesus, the life of Jesus, actually uh, uplifted the role of women uh, dramatically uh, in the, in the exactly Eastern right. world. We'll talk about these women when we get back. What a fascinating book this is. Friends, $15 is going to put this very encouraging book in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org, for unstoppable women. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. She's a woman with quadriplegia and is impacting our world dramatically. However, she hasn't always used a wheelchair. In fact, it was on a warm July day that 17-year-old Johnny's life was forever changed when she dove off into the Chesapeake and came up paralyzed. Her name, Johnny Erickson Tata. Johnny Erickson Tata, a best-selling author, Her first book sold over 4 million copies. She received 10 honorary degrees, been a featured guest on television programs all over the country, two-time breast cancer survivor, and founded an organization that we're going to talk about here in the next few minutes here on Viewpoint. Our special guest today, Bonnie Sala, uh, with her father's book, 40 Unstoppable Women Who Changed the World. And number one on the list was Johnny Erickson Tata. Tell us about her. Well, you have just briefly outlined Johnny's story, but I think what's most incredible about Johnny is that she has continued for year after year after year to surrender to God's will in suffering. I think that is the powerful message that she has shared with so many. And not only that, that she has used her life powerfully to impact the lives of many other people. You know, she served on the National Council for Disability which produced uh, the Americans with Disabilities Act. So she not only has encouraged people spiritually, but she's really made a difference in the world. Uh, And really to the point that we no longer really consider talking about people with disabilities, we we say that they are differently abled. She's really turned our way of thinking um, of this issue uh, on its head. Well, it's been uh, over 40 years now. Uh, since uh, the organization she founded, Johnny and Friends, has been bringing both practical resources and the hope of the gospel to many people. Uh, what's interesting in in her life is she actually learned to paint. I think it's with her feet. Yeah. It's with her mouth. She holds oh, with her mouth. That's her right, mouth. with her mouth. Yes. It's I, just I know unbelievable. 
It is unbelievable. One of our staff uh, actually was with Johnny and Friends for 12 years, traveled with Johnny and organized uh, the family camp because, you know, that's an incredible burden. Um, the whole family is involved in the life of the person with, uh, with a disability. And so uh, just her, her willingness to surrender to what God appointed for her life has accomplished incredibly more probably than her able-bodied life ever would have. Isn't that amazing? And one would have to question, well, did God ordain that accident? Well, it's hard to believe that God would have caused it. Certainly, uh, he allowed it. But it shows that God can redeem almost every situation for his glory. Yes, and it really shows that God can use everyone in whatever state, their, their mind, their body, God is in the business of redemption and of putting us to use uh, for his kingdom. You know, there are a lot of women out there that think, well, if I, if I have this child, uh, then I'm not going to be able to handle it. I'm not going to be able to handle it financially. I'm not going to do this, that, or the other. Well, there are many women throughout history and in the Bible that would have been desperate to have that child. They weren't asking, can I afford it? They knew that God would provide they were just waiting for the child. Yes, that's true. And it, takes, it does take faith because when we look only at our life situation with our own resources in view, that's really when we, we have great amounts of fear and when we make very bad decisions. But as, so it's so important to do what we're doing today to encourage women throughout the country, throughout the world, that we have an inexhaustible source of strength. We have a never-ending supply for everything that we need in every situation that we find ourselves in. Well, friends, try this one on for size. She was a mother figure to hundreds of men who asked her to accompany them to their deaths. The men were to be executed, sang gospel songs, and quoted scripture as they were strapped to the electric chair unafraid of way lay ahead. Why were they unafraid? Because of the unique ministry of Mommy Olga. Wow. This woman had yes. a calling, didn't she? I am so glad that you brought uh, Mommy Olga, Olga Robertson up, because she is one of the women in the book that I was able to meet. Really? She had, yes. See, I have been in Billabid prison with her, uh, So Mommy Olga was actually a Lebanese woman that had married a U.S. uh, serviceman. Mm -hmm. She was a tiny woman. She was around five feet tall, powerful, powerful in her love, her smile, uh, her hugs. She uh, was abandoned by her husband. They they were living in the Philippines at the time. Abandoned by her husband, uh, came to know Jesus through a local church. And after she had become a Christ follower, Uh, Someone at the church asked her to follow up on a group of 30 prisoners that had been saved recently at Bilivid Prison. uh, I believe it is the largest men's prison in the Philippines. Uh, It's really quite an incredible place. And our family lived in the Philippines for some time. Uh, Mm -hmm. I was an MK growing up. And we got to go and visit Mommy Olga. She would have uh, church services, and my dad would go and, and speak. Uh, but it was no small feat for her to get to Billy Big Prison in the beginning. She, it was a long journey. She had to ride two buses 
uh, take a deep knee, which is a, a little deep public transfer station, and finally a horse-drawn carriage to get to this incredible prison. Now, going into this prison as a 12-year-old uh, Those girl, things weren't all air-conditioned either, and the heat oh, no. was sweltering. No, it was sweltering. It was quite scary for me. Um, but she was known for, as, as the men, as men uh, that she was discipling as they would come into the chapel for the church service, they would be in a line, and they would pass by her, and she would put some aftershave on her hands and smack it on their cheeks and give them a hug as she greeted them coming into the church. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she was incredible. But her presence, and of course we know it was the presence of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. the, uh, the presence of the Spirit in her actually brought peace into that prison. And when there were riots in the prison, uh, prison officials actually asked her to come in and quell the riots. She must have been a, uh, a powerfully motivated woman, uh, not just with inner strength, but also with an amazing uh, love and compassion. Absolutely. But, you know, I think we have to remember that she didn't, you know, wake up one morning and, and say, I'm going to go have this incredible ministry at a, mm-hmm. at a men's prison, you know, one of the most violent places. Yeah, so how that. did that happen? I mean, that that's that's almost off I, the charts I, in terms of understanding. Absolutely. But like so many of the women whose stories are in this book, there was an opportunity that was placed in front of her. You know, someone asked, would you go and encourage and disciple these new Christians that happened to be in prison? And she said yes. She said yes. She got up and she went. And I'm sure she had no grand, you know, discipleship program in mind. She, you know, probably didn't have all of the lessons planned out for the next six weeks. Mm -hmm. She said yes to a simple call. And it was a call of God on her life. But I very much doubt that she thought that um, the first time that she traveled into that prison to meet those men. You know, it's been said that little is much when God is in it. And uh, we don't necessarily know what some small act of obedience is going to lead to, do we? No, that's exactly right. And that's one of the things that I think my dad would really love to encourage, especially young women Mm -hmm. in. And, you know, he really wrote this book thinking of his granddaughter. So she's my niece. She's the only girl in our entire family. We're a family of men. Uh, And... She is 27 years old. She's just starting her career as a doctor, just graduated from medical school. Mm-hmm. And he really wanted to write that for women, perhaps even of, of your daughter's age, who look at mm-hmm. the culture around them and they see nothing but celebrity. And mm-hmm. right. they just see an emphasis on the outside and they feel that they need to be you know, a professional or a celebrity to accomplish anything great. And really, uh, the message of many of these women is that they did not sit around pondering their identities or worrying about their really shape of their bodies. You know, they looked outward. They saw needs around them, and they just decided to try to meet them. You know, it reminds me of my uh, oldest granddaughter. She is now, what, 25? And uh, yeah. she's a nurse. And uh, mm-hmm. she was called into the COVID floor. Mm, That's where she spent the last year on the COVID floor, going in every single day, dealing with some of the most difficult patients, not just COVID Mm -hmm. patients, but patients Mm -hmm. who also had other 
more uh, obstreperous characteristics about them that other na- mm-hmm. uh, nurses could not deal with. And she goes yeah. in there. It's just amazing. You have an unstoppable woman in your family. Well, her mother's kind of an unstoppable woman, too, and she happens to be my producer. (laughs) (laughs) I told you I deal a lot with women. That's right. (laughs) I depend upon them. You're a better man for it. Oh, well, thank you. These stories show that the power of Christ is what really makes anyone unstoppable, you know, regardless of your gender. Yeah. your education, the gifts that you have or don't have, uh, your socioeconomic status, or, you know, the fact that no one knows who you are. None of no. these matter. It's the power of Christ uh, in a surrendered life. And we have many stories of uh, women in this book that demonstrate that. Well, I'm thinking of my oldest daughter right now. Uh, she was brilliant uh entered college at 16 and uh just just a brilliant young lady she wanted to go into law she was going to follow her mm-hmm. dad into the practice mm-hmm. of law and she just felt that she needed to be a mother she needed mm-hmm. and she, she gave up law school became mm-hmm. a mother and as a result of that has not only raised up four very growing and powerful kids one mm-hmm. of whom, one of whom is going to get his doctorate uh, this week, but in Incredible. addition, a medical doctor. But in addition to that, she has served her father in ministry now for almost thirty years. I, w- I don't know what I would do. So her influence, actually, she is well known throughout the country as my producer. She is known in her own right for what she does and the attitude with which she does it. So I give her uh, kudos there. She didn't make it into your book, but she just made it on my broadcast, so that's all that counts, right? <laughs> okay, friends, Absolutely. 40 unstoppable women who changed the world. We're only going to be able to deal with a few of them here today, but you're going to want to encourage yourself with this book. $15, we'll put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. 1-800-SAVE-USA or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a, a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, uh, Bonnie, are you a, uh, a mommy, a mother? Yes, I am. As a matter of fact, I dropped out of law school after my first year. <laughs> are you kidding uh, me? No, to, uh, to raise and homeschool two sons. Yeah. Uh, and, you know... If I had continued in a legal career, I would not be leading guidelines today uh, and be in missions. And so, you know, God, when God arranges the details of your life, he knows what he's doing. All right. So it seemed like you were giving up something important, but God had something more important. Is that it? Absolutely. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it takes years to see the fruit, but the fruit is absolutely there. And, you know, speaking of taking years to see the fruit, one of the stories in the book is of a woman named Zaya Flood. Do we have time to briefly tell that story? Yeah, do that uh, quickly here. All right. So Zaya and her husband David went to the British Con- or to the Belgian Congo in 1921 as mm-hmm. missionaries. Mm-hmm. They, had, they did not have very much luck. The only person that, that Zaya could really get to listen to the story of the gospel was a young boy who sold them chickens. 
And shortly uh, after they'd been there, Thea became pregnant and gave birth to a little girl named Ina. But unfortunately, she died in childbirth. And her husband was so distraught by this, he actually left the faith, sent the little daughter to the United States, she, who was, and she was adopted. Years later, as an adult, she came across a Swedish magazine. Well, she couldn't read Swedish, even though that was her family heritage. Well, I'm half Swedish, and I can't read Swedish either. (laughs) (laughs) But the picture on the front of the magazine was of a grave, and there was a cross, there was a headstone, and she recognized the name of her birth mother, Thea Flood, on the cross, or on the the grave tombstone. All right, can you hold that thought there? Uh, to the other side of this break. We'll be back in one minute, friends. Again, we're talking with uh, Bonnie uh, Sala, the book 40 Unstoppable Women Who Changed the World. It's on our website, saveus.org. We'll be right back. Talk about inspiration. We need a little break for some of the other issues, don't we? We'll be back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a For Pastors Only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chrismeyer. We're talking about women who changed the world, unstoppable women who changed the world and whose influence continues to impact the world because when we obey God, it's like our life becomes like a pebble dropped in a pond and the concentric circles of the impact of our life continue to echo out throughout time. Well, Aggie grew up in the U.S. and married Dewey Hurst, a pastor. One day, she went to her mailbox and found a Swedish magazine. She couldn't read the words, but one picture paused, uh, caused her hands to perspire and her heart to race. It was a photo of a grave marked by a white cross, and on the cross was a name she did recognize, Svea Flood. Pick it up from there, Bonnie. Well, she realized that that was the name of her birth mother. Mm. And when she was able to translate that article came to discover that the young boy, the only person that her mother had led to Christ in the Congo before her death, had grown up in the faith. He had become a pastor, and he had founded a church that at that that, that day had 110,000 people as members of it. Oh, my. That is wonderful, but the story doesn't end there. Mm. She went to Sweden and actually found her birth father. They were reunited. There was forgiveness. There was confession. There was restitution. Her father came back to Christ and was reunited with his daughter. So God does all things well. But we never know if just 
sharing Christ with one insignificant person, seemingly insignificant to us or in the world's view, how God may use that uh, as, as an entire movement in the kingdom of God. Well, the Church of Sweden desperately needs that kind of influence because today it was announced <laughs> that the Church of Sweden has just adopted uh, uh, trans uh, as uh, part of their communion celebration and uh, made it part, even have a, uh, a sodomizing picture as part of the the front of the church. It's just the most unbelievable thing you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's, it's a pain. It's unfortunately, as the world becomes Sodom, just as Jesus said it would. All right. Uh, another one that you think is particularly a standout. Well, one story that you and I may be well acquainted of, uh, but many listeners, and especially as I, as I keep saying, those perhaps that are under 40 years old, may not have heard of the life of Gladys Alward. Gladys okay. was uh, a young woman uh, in England in the mm-hmm. 1920s. She mm-hmm. was not particularly a very good student, but she enrolled in Bible school. And when she was at school, her teachers told her you, she, she had a heart for China, wanted to go to China as a missionary. Right. But her, her professors actually told her, you are not smart enough to learn Chinese. And if you ever get to China, people are not going to accept you. But, you know, she was determined to go. She believed that God had put the Chinese people on her heart. Well, well she in was in days, Russia and caught in the Bolshevik Revolution, was kidnapped Yes, uh, yes, made a forced labor, and she narrowly escaped by leaping to the deck of a ship just as it was pulling away from the dock, and then she arrives in China. It's amazing. Exactly. exactly. She had to travel to, you know, from England to Russia to Siberia, finally into China, where she had a two-day mule ride up to the location where she was working with an elderly missionary who was running an inn for mule drivers. Hmm. So she worked with the work, just, you know, just did household help, helping the missionary run this in for a couple of years until the elderly lady died. And so at that time, you know, undaunted, she found a job as a foot inspector. Those were the days of foot binding in China. Mm. And she would go around, you know, inspecting the, the feet of women who, of course, were experiencing terrible problems from this horrific practice. Mm-hmm. Eventually, she began to see, uh, she began to come across orphans, and she ended up taking in hundreds of orphans, but, uh, all the way up to the point of World War II, where, of course, uh, the Japanese were uh, occupying China, and she heroically led 94 children on foot across the mountains of northern China to wow. safety. And, of course, there are movies that have been made uh, about her life, but... Um, she is really a woman that young women should know about today. Absolutely. In fact, she was called the virtuous one. There aren't too many ladies these, these days, young women, that want to be called the virtuous one. Well, that's true. That's a, <laughs> a quality that this culture, this world around us, you know, does not value. And that, that is a shame. It's, it's really a shame for young women today. Yeah. I think that it's helpful to look at the traits that these women shared. You know, these were women of faith, first mm-hmm. and foremost. Their relationship with Jesus Christ was their identity. Uh, I love uh, one of the quotes. Uh, oh, I'm trying to remember which, which uh, of our women said, you know, what I really want is Jesus 
himself. That's mm. what she really wanted. Mm-hmm. And so these are women who, you know, they, they heard the voice of God in the cry of a child. They saw uh, into the eyes of a beggar with Jesus' eyes. And, you know, really, they were responding to a lot of the emotions and the intuitions that make us women. You know, today, that's really downplayed. Oh, you know, we're all the same. We're not all the same. Uh, Male and female, we have distinct gifts that God has given us. And this gift of compassion, Mm -hmm. the uh, the ability to see the need on a a human level uh, is something that we see in all these women. And then they jumped in. They just jumped in regardless of their qualifications, regardless uh, of their fear, you know, regardless if uh, there was prejudice against them, which, of course, in many cases there was. That's a benefit maybe that young women today don't have to suffer quite as much with. Um, And they were very much realists. Very much realized. Well, so great was the prejudice in the world of uh, Corey Ten Boom that it took her to uh, the Gestapo, took her to prison, and she barely escaped the gas chamber. Tell us a little bit more about her. She was a Dutch woman who, Dutch Christian woman whose family uh, hid Jews in their home um, for several years until they were discovered. They were all sent to the concentration camps. Her father died almost immediately uh, upon getting to a camp, and her sister died in camp. She was actually scheduled to be executed, uh, one, but was released due to a, a clerical error one week before the concentration camp was, uh, was, was freed. Mm. But Corey's life from that point on really centered on living out what it was to forgive. She actually traveled all over Germany, Speaking, bringing this message of forgiveness and reconciliation uh, into churches. And the most powerful story that I love from her life is one night that after she had spoken, people were coming up to greet her, and she saw this man walking toward her through the church. Mm. You know, she didn't see him in his civilian clothes. She saw the uniform of an SS soldier. He had been one of the SS soldiers who had been in the camps that she and her sister had been in and had mistreated them. And as he walked forward, his hand shot out to shake her hand in a greeting. And she, she tells how in that moment she said, Jesus, I cannot shake that man's hand, but you can help me to do it. And mm. she tells how her hand shot out and she felt the love of God course through her being and she was able to greet that man in the forgiveness of Jesus. You know, it's like we say regularly here on this program, you make the choice and God will help you make the change. Yes, that's exactly mm-hmm. true. And so often we just think of our own power, of our own resources, uh, and, and we come up very, very short. Yeah. God wants people that will step out and say yes, even if it's in a tiny way, even if we think it's an insignificant way, God is longing for people that will just say yes. Well, you didn't talk about Esther. Your dad didn't write about Esther, the queen, in the book. But yeah. uh, she changed the world. In fact, she virtually saved all of the Jewish people in that day in the reign of uh, Artaxerxes, uh, the Persian That's king. That's right. And, uh, you know, her uncle uh, came to her and said, you know, if you you might suffer death if you go to the king and tell him what the plot is against the Jewish people. On the other hand, if you don't, 
then what? That's who, right. Who knows but what you are called to the kingdom for such a time as this, and that all these other events that caused you to be placed in this role are for this very purpose. And so she went, and by faith, went before the king, and he reached out his golden scepter, which saved her the death penalty. And the net result was that the Jewish people were saved, but they would have all been destroyed. It's amazing. It is amazing. And, you know, she had to really, she had to employ some creativity. You know, there's really a lot more to that. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I hope, hope people read, will read the whole book because it wasn't just a done deal. You know, she had to creatively, uh, she had to host a banquet. She had to choose the time and place mm-hmm. uh, to go and speak to the king. So we see that she uh, really relied on God for wisdom in the no. situation that she found herself in. Well, and you know, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. They called her public energy number one. Billy Graham wrote of her, I doubt if any other woman outside my wife and mother has had such a marked influence. But at the age of 20, this woman contracted muscular rheumatism, and doctors told her that if she continued her studies, she would be blind by age 30. She said, well, then I guess I'll be blind because I want something in my head to think about. The... the, Unbelievable result was the life of one called Henrietta Mears. Tell us about her. Well, she was a woman of energy, a woman of ambition, and most of all, a woman of prayer. She uh, came to Hollywood Presbyterian Church and began to develop Sunday school curriculum. That was, it was incredible. She went, it was so incredible that she went on to found Gospel Light Publishing, which if any of any of our listeners grew up in Sunday school, you probably were raised on her Sunday school curriculum. Right. But she was was known for thinking big. She was known to say small ideas do not inflame the minds of people. She was just a force of nature. But I think what is most incredible about her is when she was faced with a nearly impossible situation, she immediately stopped and said, let's pray about this right now. All right, friend, that's what you need to do too right now. If you have an impossible situation to see yourself, pray right now. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. She grew up as an African-American young lady and felt the bitter taste of racial discrimination, especially in Alabama. She was a devout Christian who regularly attended the African-American 
an African Methodist Episcopal Church, but on Thursday, December 1st, 1955, she awakened not knowing that on that day she would be going to jail and that her profile would be in every newspaper and her story featured on every TV program for days. Her name, Rosa Parks. Tell us a little bit about her, Rosa. Well, much of the world knows, knows about Rosa Parks. They know her story of that fateful day where she was riding in the bus and refused to give up her seat, uh, to refuse to give up her seat. But what people probably don't know is that Rosa Parks very likely started that day, as she did every day, with daily devotion. She was a devout uh, reader of Scripture. She was known to say that she received such comfort and peace through reading her Bible. And she said that the teachings of the Bible became a way of life and helped her deal with day-to-day problems. That was the secret source of strength of Rosa Parks. Well, uh, we needed to include her because she is a major part of America's story. And uh, we, have, we have so many. I remember back uh, when I was uh, nine years of age and I heard the report. I heard the report of five young men in Ecuador. They had gone on a small plane to deliver the gospel to a group called the Aka Indians. They landed, and immediately they were hit by poisoned arrows and destroyed. And they left behind five widows, including a woman by the name of Elizabeth Elliot, to grieve. But that wasn't the end of the story. In fact, the rest of the story shows how God can take that which seems to be horrific, and turn it to his glory. Tell us a little about Elizabeth Elliot. Well, Elizabeth Elliot is actually one of my absolute favorite uh, authors. She (laughs) is. And the incredible thing, well, there's many incredible things about her life, but what we saw her do was actually return back into the tribe uh, of people that had killed her husband, killed the other uh, young missionary men, with her toddler daughter and continue to do language study, continue to bring the word of God and the gospel to that very people group. And she did end up uh, having, you know, a lifelong relationship and, and deep love and friendship with those people. Well, isn't that the like Corey Ten Boom reaching out her hand by faith uh, to forgive yes. that uh, German soldier? Yes, and we have another story of another missionary, same thing, by the name of uh, Darlene Ziegler-Rose, who, Mm -hmm. after being uh, imprisoned in a Japanese internment camp uh, during World War II, actually, and her husband, of course, being being killed, uh, she returned to to become a missionary in Papua New Guinea, just as Elizabeth Elliot did. So you can see that these were women that did not give up. But, you know, there's another woman that... um, Sharing the story of Rosa Parks really makes me think of, and I think that what the lesson that she brings to all of us is so powerful for us, particularly at this moment in time when there is so much division uh, in our country and in the world, and it's the story of the life of a woman named Florence Allshorn. Mm-hmm. She 
1920, she wanted to be a missionary, and she went to the country of Uganda, and she began to teach in a girls' school. But the problem was that there was an older missionary who was in charge of the school, and there had been many young missionaries come and try to work with her at this girls' school, and it had always ended in ruin. It had always ended with the young missionary going home crying because the older missionary was so difficult to work with. But Florence learned. She learned how to find peace that lies on the other side of conflict. And isn't that a skill and a lesson that we need today? She learned that loving an individual means that we accept him or her exactly as she is. She said, if you wait to love him until he has gotten rid of his faults, you are loving an idea. Mm. Love him as he is with the painful expectance that he can be different. Only then are we loving with the love of Christ. Wow. What a powerful message. And you know, that relationship with that older missionary was transformed. And she went on uh, to become a trained uh, teacher at school. Uh, for female missionaries in Uganda and have a lifetime of service. But she she really shows us that conflict is not the end, that mm-hmm. when we love individuals as Jesus loves them, that we can move beyond that conflict. Well, there are a lot of women out there listening, I'm sure, and men as well, who can say, you know what, uh, I know somebody like that. Uh, maybe they're mm-hmm. a member of your family. Uh, maybe there's somebody you work with. Maybe there's somebody in your church uh, we don't know, maybe somebody in your neighborhood, but uh, God has just inspired you by his spirit and this story uh, to become uh, his hand extended uh, to that person and to see them uh, remolded as a result. All right, uh, a little bit of my story to introduce this next one. I was born at a very early age, Bonnie. Did you know that? <laughs> I've heard that before. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, at that time, the, the the background that gave rise to that was that my father uh, was an evangelist in his uh, late 20s with the Salvation Army. He had grown up in mm-hmm. the Salvation Army. His parents were Salvation Army officers. And uh, my mother was playing the piano for this uh, crusade. And mm-hmm. her parents were Salvation Army officers. And my mother's eyes and my father's eyes met, and as a result, I'm talking to you today. (laughs) So uh, the Salvation Army was at the very uh, heart of my upbringing, Uh, but my father left the Salvation Army shortly thereafter and went to the Nazarene Theological Seminary where because they wouldn't allow him to get an education in the Salvation Army. It was an interesting thing. But my father had continuing contact with the Salvation Army and received their uh, monthly publication, The War Cry, every single month. In fact, Mm -hmm. when we launched Save America Ministries, one of the first articles that I wrote was published by The War Cry. Mm. And uh, yet, going back, uh, there was a fellow by the name of William Booth. He was the founder of the Salvation Army there in... uh, the UK, but his daughter became probably almost as well-known or more well-known than he was, Evangeline Booth. Tell us about her. 
you know what? I'm going to have to have you finish the story on Evangeline. Yeah, I want you to finish the story of Evangeline I'm Booth. Have, I'm going to have to have you finish that story. <laughs> <laughs> well, she headed up the Salvation Army. No, no, I know, I know. Uh, you know what? She, she said, I live for others. She was known for her generosity, uh-huh. for her care, and for her conviction. Um, you know, they joked and said that a thousand men have proposed to her during her lifetime. But Isn't that she, amazing? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Selected none of them. Um, her, when, when trouble would crop up, her father would say, send Evangeline in. You know, she could handle it. Well, she came, became like, a, she had a following of about 38,000 people that became like ambassadors of goodwill in 86 countries. Talk about influence. Yes, yes absolutely. Okay, Evangeline Booth. Uh, it's too bad Evangeline Booth isn't around today because she probably would whip that Salvation Army into better shape. <laughs> <laughs> well, she did seven, seven day a week Christianity, so that, that would help. <laughs> you know, we have, uh, in our last moments, we have six takeaways that I think might be, uh, might be helpful to share. All right, go for it. This is a good moment. And, and number one is, I think that the message here is be the person that God made you to be. You know, you're not called, actually, to be any one of these women in this book. Right. You are called to be exactly who God calls you to be. And God's enabling accompanies God's calling. So if he brings an opportunity to you, he will enable you. He will supply what you need. And thirdly, your extremity is God's opportunity. So when you really are in a place of need, that is the place that you will see God show up in your life most Mm -hmm. powerfully. And number four, as we've said before, God will supply what you need. It's just a fact. It's, it's It's a fact that we see over and over again, a promise of Scripture. And then number five, God's calling is irrevocable. So if you perhaps sense God's call at a certain point in your life, but you made a different choice, you went a different direction, his call is still there, whether that's a call to come into a relationship with him through Jesus or a need that he brought into your life and you just looked the other way. His call is always there. It's never too late. And we see that in, in several of the ladies in our book who perhaps heard a call from God uh, 20 years later, finally was able to answer that call, and it was not too late. And then number six, the longest journey begins with just the first step. So I would encourage not just women, but brothers and sisters in Christ everywhere to just begin with the first step and mm-hmm. watch God take, take it from there. And then follow your passion. God, God yes. will will put a passion in your heart, but we have to be willing to take the steps and you got to take one step at a time and then he'll shine his light on that, the next step. And we do that one step at a time. That's how life works in the, uh, the walk of faith, doesn't it? That's right. And he'll bring other people along, uh, to walk that path with you. You know, we, we are better together, working together as the body of Christ. All right. We're going to conclude with, uh, two women, uh, one at each end of the story of the gospel, the story of salvation. The first is the mother of everyone you will ever meet. We introduced the program with this 
uh, woman. Uh, no, it's not Eve. Uh, she was at least 10 generations removed from Mother Eve, and she was the wife of a very unpopular preacher, and she had three sons. How in the world did she endure 120 years or 100 years of building an ark and then 150 days floating around as the world was flooded with uh, God's flood? How did she do that? Well, we call her Mrs. Noah, (laughs) and she must have known God in the same way that her husband did. That is the only answer. You know, he looked to God, he uh, obeyed God, he answered the call, and she had to obey that same call to be his wife and to be uh, cooped up with him and all of those animals and her three sons. Can you imagine (laughs) what she had to endure? (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure that there was a lot of work. That was a lot oh, of work. Yeah. Done, oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, just go over there to uh, Lexington, Kentucky, and get on that uh, big boat uh, that Ken Ham has created. He was on this program last week, the, the right. ark there, and you'll begin to understand what she had to deal with. That's right. And, you know, even before she got on that ark, we can imagine her raising her three sons mm. uh, in a culture that was so drastically opposed. Uh, to God and to the values that God called. Isn't it kind of like women today having to raise their sons and daughters in this culture? Yes, and you can imagine how her children were mocked, how they came home crying. Uh, you know, she she really is our model, and I think that you just yep. see her continuing to have faith, continuing to trust God. Uh, she provides a new life which is exactly what he did provide. And then we finish with Mary, the mother of Jesus. No, she's not the mother of God. She's the mother of Jesus. And uh, she had faith. She said, be it unto me, even according to thy word. Ladies, men, many of us need to say that today. Be it unto me, even according to your word. That's how we begin the walk of faith. Thanks for joining us. Get a copy of this wonderful book, 40 Unstoppable Women Who Changed the World. $15 will put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. Call us 1-800-SAVE-USA. And let's be the courageous people that God has called us to be through such a time as this as we prepare the way of the Lord for history's final hour. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.